a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this brief guide to Melbourne. Daily Rashura started out hosting 10-person degustations focused on underrepresented cuisines from across India at her Box Hill home before launching a series of -of out-of-town pop-ups. She described it as a supper club, but most supper clubs do not have wait lists in the thousands, which is what happened when she appeared as a guest on MasterChef in 2020. Last year, she found a permanent home for her restaurant, Enter Via Laundry, in Carlton North, where you can experience some very considered and memorable cooking in an intimate 20-seat restaurant. Hayley, welcome to Around Town. It's amazing to be here. So you take diners on culinary journeys through different parts of India, and over time you've explored a variety of Indian regional cuisines and also time periods, which I think is really interesting. We made a short film with you a couple of years ago And one of the things you said was that you tend to become obsessed with certain (laughs) topics and ingredients. When I look back at some of the feasts that you have created in your restaurant and also in in the supper club pop-ups, there was Bengali banquets, 17th century Mughlai cuisine, which was about some of the dishes that were eaten by royals in the Mughal dynasty. And then, of course, you also did a menu that was inspired by Goa in India's West. How do your obsessions with topics and ingredients flow into which region you decide to focus on at any one time? So with Bengali cuisine, I started it because I was trying to learn this cuisine. I had no idea what Bengali cuisine was. So I started researching it. And this is not just before I opened the the permanent venue. This is few years back and then I got obsessed about it because it has so many variations to it and for someone who's actually not eaten much Indian it'd be like a stock standard I'm like what is what is a huge deal about it but for me it was a huge deal and then I dwelled into it and um, that's what we opened with as our first menu for Interval Laundry's permanent venue. The current menu though I was Writing, I'm writing a book with Hardy Grand for Evolution of Indian Cuisine. And I've broken it down according to the eras. And uh, that's what I've always thought about um, as Indian cuisine, how it has evolved. And so during the research, I went, started researching about Mughalai cuisine and started reading about it and started listening to podcasts and lectures from universities and all sorts of this weirdest, nothing related to food topics. I just somehow felt like, oh my God, this is like a whole new world. I was almost transported back to that uh, royal state of life. And I was like, I want to recreate this. And um, I get very excited when I Google a recipe and I cannot find it. And I'm like, yes, okay, I'm going to attempt making this. I had a book um, from Salma Hussein, which was literally a translation of uh, all these recipes from that period that were cooked for royals. And um, we took that book and then we kept on trialing those recipes out. Some of them were horribly wrong, like trying to make a bread, it became a soup. Um, (laughs) But eventually we got there and yeah, I mean, I'm still in that state of obsession where I'm still driving and not listening to music, but listening to lectures of people talking about a certain era in Indian history. It's quite an intellectual endeavour. It sounds like when you're developing your menus, there's not, 
just what are the flavors that I'd like to work with or the ingredients. And I know that you're very focused on combining native Australian ingredients with the recipes and history of Indian cuisine. But the research that goes into it and the fact that you go on a fact-finding mission, I think a lot of people will look at something and think, well, there's no recipe, so what am I going to do? And for you, that triggers something. You, know, you, you want to solve that problem. Where and when did you learn to cook? I have been cooking since I was very young and my mom has always been, you know, she's always got me as a prep chef, like, you know, having everything ready before she starts cooking. And so I had this tantalization of like, just when am I going to get an entry to start cooking in the kitchen and stop prepping things for you? And um, yeah, eventually I got my break <laughs> in mom's kitchen. What were you making? I was I was reducing milk to make koya, which is like super technical, but it just needs attention really. It's not super technical. It just needs your undivided attention. So people shied away from it. So I started making that. And then I started making kanvi, which was a very hit few years back and it was considered like oh, a very challenging thing to make. But oh, again, I found it just like attentive to it and it gets you the result that you're after. I guess um, also I, I grew up in India and there were shows uh, called Intimate Escapes, <laughs> which was hosted by a lady in France maybe and she's going around all these Michelin star restaurants and uh, eating these delicious meals and someone made a, uh, you know, risotto one of the Italian episodes and I was like, wow, I want to make that. I tried making that with basmati. I failed terribly. <laughs> so I guess just was your mom has. Was your mom what are you doing over there? Yeah, and she tasted it. It's like, this tastes like nothing. And I'm like, okay, fine. When we filmed you a couple of years ago, you said that now you guys can't be in the kitchen together. I know. Why? <laughs> I don't know. She's just, I guess once you get used to those big hobs and combi ovens and, you know, you constantly have like a little towel tucked in on the side. And then as soon as I'm making something and I wipe my hands on my towel and she's like, oh, disgusting. You know, or. She's still, you know, she's still mum in the kitchen, even though still, you're now running your own very successful restaurant. Oh, no, she doesn't care. Like we were doing that interview and, and um, Alan was asking, are you proud? And she's like, yes, but she needs to spend more time at home and look after the kitchen and maybe some laundry and things like that. I'm like, mum, please. Well, <laughs> all the mums are like that at least. I love her though. I love her. I mean, she looks after my child right now so that I can be here. So... Take us back to the beginnings of Entevire Laundry. I love where this name comes from as someone who personally would also not have wanted to clean the garden to make sure people <laughs> could come through the front door. Take us back, for those who don't know, to the beginnings of Entevire Laundry, but also why you chose that name. Um, I was cleaning a gar- my you know, garden on a nice sunny day and... Uh, we were in the process of opening Entevire Laundry. This is my home in Box Hill. And I was like, look, and during this whole time, that was in, in the background, just like constantly thinking about it. And when we were cleaning and I'm like, Vishal, my husband, I'm like, it would be so much better if we if people entered through the laundry rather than from the garden because there would be so much less work for us to you know maintain the garden. So it's just, it'd be better if people entered via the laundry. And then I was like, we should call it this. And then it's just like, you're crazy. You're completely crazy. We cannot call an Indian restaurant or an Indian supper club enter via laundry. I'm like, well, we're in Melbourne. And uh, 
people have high tolerance to <laughs> shenanigans like this. So, <laughs> so let's go with it. And it worked. It worked. And I think you're right. Not only do we have a high tolerance, we like it. We seek yeah. it out. Yeah. Why or how did you go from being, you know, your mum's sous chef in India to moving to Australia and then deciding I'm actually going to do this professionally? What was the step you took? And were those supper clubs the first part of that journey? I went to Gagan um, before that for for a couple of months. And before that, I was uh, in Lume for a couple of uh, couple of weeks, really, just. And um, that was purely because I went to Lume and I ate the food there. And I was like, this is amazing. I wish I could work over here. And uh, Sean Coy was very generous enough to say, yeah, come in, play around. And, that and just, at the time, uh, Lume, of course, Sean Coy's Lume, a very important and influential fine diner in Melbourne. Exceptional. It was one of the pioneers at the time. And then it kept um, evolving. And then I wanted to go and see how an Indian kitchen works. And I... Uh, went to Gagan for a couple of months. Another incredibly important world restaurant. Very important. Gets bashed around quite a bit, but uh, I think it takes guts and courage for doing something what he does. So he does Indian, I can't say he does Indian, but he's of an Indian origin and he makes food the way he wants to make. And he's uh, world's 50 best top one to five always, um, and he's based in Thailand. And uh, he was here for one of the events of World 50 Best, and I was fortunate enough to go and ask him if I could get some experience uh, with him. He said yes, and I was like, amazing. So you hopped on a plane? I hopped on a plane, went there for two months, leaving my very interesting HR job. I'm being sarcastic. So come back and then decide, (laughs) okay, I'm ready now to run my own kitchen. Yeah, I guess there's this energy that you want to keep going. Like there's this fire in you, the, the adrenaline in a clinical term that you want to keep, you get addicted to this. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to wait to open a restaurant because I don't know if I'm a restaurant person. And so I started cooking from home for friends and family. And then eventually friends and family turns into strangers who find out about Entervi Laundry and visit. And then you decide it is time to open a permanent home. You find one in Carlton North. Describe the restaurant for those who may not have had the luck of being there yet. You walk in. This is not a typical restaurant experience. In fact, you've tried to replicate and in some ways have done really successfully the idea of being in someone's home. So can you take us through the journey of arriving at Entervia Laundry and what the beginning of that meal looks like? We have a laneway at the back of the restaurant, which is where the guests come in from. Yeah, they go through a courtyard and there's a living room where they can decide to sit and have a drink. And it's a beautiful, almost looks like a little Japanese tea garden kind of a space and uh, opens um, massive windows overlooking the courtyard. And this is bright and light. And then um, once diners are ready for their meal, we take them through the room, which is at the center of the of the restaurant. And it's, yeah, it's a very cozy space and has got a nice chandelier and some uh, brass uh, spoons and other things, artifacts that we got from India. From your home province, I believe. Yes, from Gujarat. We, we've got a lot of things from Gujarat, uh, which is where I come from in um, India. And then there is another room um, at the front of the restaurant where there is kitchen and the bar and there is um, a beautiful Deborah McDonald painting which represents a fire in the centre and women sitting around and celebrating. So, yeah, it's a very cosy place and I never wanted to 
give someone else to design it. One of our diners, who's now a really good friend of mine, actually designed it. So it fits in with the yeah. home style, friends, family. Hmm. And I've made so many friends in this few years by just opening this restaurant. All my guests who then become friends. And of course, because it's 20 seats, you are not, there are not 40 people, you're not jumping in and out and not getting to meet people. Part of the experience, of course, is you being out and kind of explaining some of the dishes. You've said before that Indian cuisine, you feel, is in its early days in Australia. What do you mean by that? You know, it's easy to make something which is acceptable by adding in a fat, spice, sourness and saltiness. So say, for example, butter chicken is a perfect example of it. It's got all those things that you're going to like it regardless mm. of uh, any effort. Um, and it is one way of cooking that, and that type of cuisine where you add in enough of everything, the dhaba cuisine, and people are going to like it and it's going to sell. But I think a lot of Indian chefs are not... Um, you know, venturing beyond that to cook cuisines which are regional, or even if it's not regional, are actually more authentic, uh, authentic sense of it. For, for example, if you take an Italian restaurant, even now, one of the nicest Italian restaurants, they would make some basic, very authentic, amazing pastas and will charge appropriately for it as well because mm. they've got the perfect produce. We can't do that yet. And I think that's part of it is the courage to say what we are cooking is amazing. Mm. And uh, it does require the best produce and it could be just as delicious. That's something that I still think is going to take a few years. So do you think if people come to your restaurant, they will be surprised by some of the dishes they eat and probably be eating things they haven't eaten before that are authentic Indian and flavours they might not be used to? We get Indians coming in who've lived in India for their entire life and they've said, We've never eaten Bengali food before, and this is amazing. Or we would get Bengalis or Kashmiris coming in and say, this is exactly like my grandma cooked. How Are you Bengali? And I'm like, no, no, I'm Gujarati. I'm like, how? <laughs> how can a Gujarati cook Bengali like this? So I guess uh, we are very stuck in our way in cooking these recipes. Of course, there are some native ingredients, but we only use it when it's practical enough and it's... Uh, not changing the soul of the recipe. Can you give an example of that? Let's talk about a specific dish Mm. that you're making at the moment Mm -hmm. where you've subbed in a native ingredient where there would typically be something else and why you felt it was right. So, for example, we make this um, beautiful pulao with goat. Pulao is like a pilaf or it's a rice dish which usually has some meat in it. And we call it a shirin pulao. So it's... It always has some citrus and uh, has a citrusy element. And uh, one native ingredient that we think works with it is Geraldton Bax because it brings in that uh, delicious freshness that a citrus would bring in. It just takes it to a different level of, of a mouthful, even though it's like a slight sliver of a, of a leaf that's put up on the top. Saying that the spice profile stays the same. We don't try and use something else instead of turmeric, for example. But saying that there's also a fish dish which we make um, and there's a sauce for it which is butter-based sauce and we use only native ingredients except for the coriander. We can't get away from coriander. 
we use mountain pepper, leatherwood honey, and some cinnamon myrtle instead of any and other spices and some lemon aspen for the acidity. And it works amazingly. But again, I wouldn't call that Indian. When I'm serving it, I would say there's always one dish that comes out of my creativeness. And then while we're cooking this and it somehow marries it, but I wouldn't call it that Indian Indian dish, but mm. we make at least want something once, something like that. What's one of the dishes on the menu right now that you're really excited about that took you some time to get right, hmm. but you think the flavours have come out beautifully? It's this little palate cleanser called Faluda, which I'm obsessed about. It's on my Instagram stories every second, third day. It is super simple to assemble it, but to get that freshness and creaminess right, it was a, it was a challenge. And I didn't want to put together a stock standard one. I wanted to create on my own. So we have this beautiful vermicelli, which is cornflower vermicelli as compared to the normal vermicelli. And um, we have a guava juice reduction. And we tried a few different fruit juice reductions that didn't work. We tried pineapple, we tried strawberries, we tried something else, but then guava works perfect with some bananas that before we used to caramelize and we were like, no, 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 fresh. We wanted fresh. And then we had um, rosella jelly, which goes amazingly with all these other ingredients that it has cashew in it and it has cream in it. It's got a bit of cherry in it. And then sabja, which is basil seeds, but it's so textural and it is so different for someone who's not had falada before and for someone to accept it. Still, I'm not saying it's perfect because sometimes there are people who are like, oh, this is a bit weird. And I'm like, yeah, it is a bit weird if you haven't had a huge fan of falada like me. But I love that recipe. You've just made an addition of a five-course meal mm -hmm. to the restaurant. Tell yep. us about that and why you did that. I wouldn't shy away by saying that the atmosphere of the economy is not the most amazing at this time. Mm. And I think people are feeling the pinch. They don't want to spend as much as before. And that's what made us think to introduce this menu. Typically, there would be 9 to 12-ish dishes that you would have on a day. The shorter menu is five courses and it is shorter in duration as well for someone like that you know, have got a babysitter on a clock um, to come in and eat in one and a half hour, one mm. hour, 45 minutes, to have a couple of glasses of wine, have uh, a a very thorough, um, you know, journey of Mughlai cuisine, some really star dishes on it, except for the one main that we keep it for the full menu. You get majority of the nice dishes. Yeah, you don't get caviar and truffle, but you can have it if you want it on the day. It starts with a beautiful spread of snacks of the bird bone broth, and a beautiful Nargisi kofta that you start with on a short menu as well. And a lovely baby corn papadi chat with the spanner crab. You get the um, that beautiful fish that we make using some ginger juice, cured with. Ginger juice is another ingredient that I love this season because it's royal. If you don't just use grated ginger, we make juice out of it mm. and use that instead. So there are bottles of fresh ginger juice in the, um, the walk-in that we use uh, for... For this fish, then you also get the shirin pulao we talked about that has this beautiful goat and rice and this floral spices. And then there is kangaroo, kangaroo pasanda with parsnip cream and a bit of edible silver and rye berries. And then at the end, we have this uh, very rich dessert called shahi tukra, which is made with shokuban, um, Japanese bread. 
And uh, we fry it in ghee. Then we soak it in elderflower syrup. This is the only time in the entire menu when I say this is from last season's uh, preserved <laughs> elderflower. I promise. And then um, there is some reduced milk on top, all baked in the oven with some saffron on top. Is this like a bread and butter pudding? Yes, it is actually a iteration that of is, bread and butter pudding. That sounds so good. <laughs> the whole meal sounds beautiful. Antivia Laundry, I'm not giving you the address because it's mm-hmm. disclosed upon booking. Is that correct? That is right. So I can tell you that it's on Nicholson Street in Carlton North, but mm-hmm. I can't tell you much more. The only way to find out is to book and have one of these incredible and very memorable meals. Thank you so much for joining us today. Such a pleasure. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore melb. I'll be back again on Monday. Same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.